Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. This morning we continue to ask the question, who's your role model? In our world, there is definitely no shortage of role models. In every aspect of life, there is someone we can follow, someone we can imitate, whether they are moral or spiritual issues or whether they're just physical issues like success and how we dress. The challenge is that the most popular of role models are those whose goal in life is not the same as ours as Christians. They, that is, they do not desire or strive to glorify God. And so for the believer, it can be difficult to navigate, if not just plain confusing. Just go with the flow. Do nothing. Stop disciplining yourself for godliness, and you will find yourself flowing down the river of worldly wisdom, immorality, and laziness. This is why this topic is so important, a topic which we've been unpacking through the comparison of the worldly Corinthians and the godly apostles of Jesus Christ. Perhaps all the more convicting, if not condemning, is the fact that the negative role model in this series, in this passage, the Corinthians, are in fact believers, and yet they have given in to the world. Let's read our passage again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 8 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 13, is the passage that we began last Sunday, and we will continue this morning. Starting in verse 8 in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul writes to the Corinthians, You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we also might reign with you. For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all, as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. Our outline in this passage is six critical areas of life that are determined by whom you choose to follow. Six critical areas of your life as a believer that are determined by whom you choose to follow or who your role model is. By way of review, last week we looked at the first two. The first one is spirituality. The first area of life is spirituality that we saw in verse 8. Paul is using irony and sarcasm, and he uses this device to rebuke the behavior of the Corinthians. Creating factions in the church to feed their own egos, Paul says they are acting like spiritual kings, spiritual rulers. On a theological level, you could say they are acting as if they have already 
passed the judgment of God and have received their eternal crowns. There's nothing more, in other words, they could want. They have arrived. So, when it comes to whom you follow in the area of spirituality, you can either have the Corinthians as your role model, and, like they do, act as if there's no more room to grow, that you have arrived, or you can follow the apostles who saw themselves as sinners saved by grace, living out their lives joyfully, serving while striving every day for greater godliness. And I might add, if there was anyone, not just at that time, but even perhaps more so as we look back at church history, if there's anyone who could claim that they had arrived, it would have been the apostles. And yet the irony is the very fact that they are that spiritual dictates the fact that they see themselves truly as God sees them, as slaves, as servants, as stewards that need God's grace every day. And in fact, again, the irony is the greater your spirituality in truth, the greater you understand the scriptures, the more humbled you are and the more you realize you indeed do need God and you will never arrive, so to speak, in this lifetime. We looked at a second critical area of life that's determined by your role model last week, and that is status. Status. In verse 9, Paul writes, For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all, as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. Some of this transfers over as the apostles, the apostles, as we know, truly were treated poorly. They were looked down upon by the world and here even by the Corinthians. They were seen as fools living out their lives on a fool's errand that is preaching the gospel of Christ. They definitely did not have the status that would make someone envy them or desire their life to be in their place, which explains why the Corinthians are so easily swayed to a worldly way of thinking. The reality is, as much as we can judge the Corinthians for what they are doing, you and I both know that we struggle with the same things. Maybe not to this degree, but the world and all that it has to offer is very tempting, and we dabble, we dip our toe, or even more into it all the time. And yet we have the letter to the, of 1 Corinthians. We have the entirety of the writings and life of the Apostle Paul and Peter and people like that. We have 2,000 years of church history, and we live in a place in where there is relatively little persecution for Christians, despite what you may think, especially current circumstances. We are not killed for our faith. We are not beaten up for our faith. And so it is even... Uh, there, there's an even greater guilt and culpability for us as we live in this world in where there is the scriptures, which the Corinthians didn't have the entirety of, where they just had people like Peter and Paul and Apollos. They didn't have 2,000 years of writings and sermons and examples. And so before we look at the Corinthians and say, man, they were so foolish, we must look at ourselves. Status. It's everything for the secular world. And even the, today, though we may not be in, this, in such dire straits physically, economically, and socially as the apostles 
or even the early Christians, the very core of our beliefs, the Bible, dictate that we do not pursue the things of the world in the same manner as the world. And that's an, an important distinction because we still need to be good stewards of what God has given us. And so we pursue what the world has to offer in the sense of having a job and paying your bills and things like that. But we don't pursue them in the way the world does. In other words, that's the be all end all of life for them. And as those who are unregenerate, as those who are hopeless, as we saw in Ephesians 2 last week, as those who don't know any better, all they have is their depraved mind. Of course, that's all they're going to pursue. There is nothing else that they understand can be pursued. And so back to our point, when it comes to social status, whom do you follow? Is it the world or is it the apostles? It's not that we, again, reject any social status that the Lord should grant us in his sovereignty, but we don't prioritize it. We don't live for it. We don't see coworkers and people in the news and envy it. And so that's review from last week. We move on this morning to the third critical area of life, that's determined by our role model, and that is wisdom. Wisdom. Look at the beginning of verse 10 again. Paul, speaking about himself as well as all of the apostles, says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you, Corinthians, are prudent in Christ. Paul continues with his sarcasm and irony here. In other words, he's not saying that the Corinthians are actually prudent or wise in Christ, but is pointing out how they are behaving and in many ways what they are proclaiming. In so doing, he is showing them how wrong their behavior is. In other words, he's using sarcasm to rebuke them. Now here, Paul picks up on a theme that has been woven throughout the epistle that we have unpacked uh, to great lengths over the, the past few months since we started 1 Corinthians. And we've even mentioned it this morning and, and especially last week. Namely, that the foolishness of God is actually true wisdom. It is the only wisdom. Whereas the wisdom of the world is actually eternal foolishness or folly in the eyes of the only one who matters, and that is God. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 21 through 29. And we're going to look at, again, a couple key passages that we have seen this far, thus far in 1 Corinthians that highlight this distinction uh, between the two wisdoms, one of which, again, is not wisdom at all. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 29. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. By the way, that verse is very important 
uh, for our uh, sermon, our topic this morning. Verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. That is, he's saying, you Corinthians, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. In other words, he's saying the majority of you Corinthian believers, God chose you because you were normal people or even below average. You were not members of the Roman Senate. You were not Caesar. You are not the rich and powerful. And he has chosen you in his wisdom to make foolish the wisdom of the world, which is pursue power, Pursue riches, pursue prestige. Jump ahead to chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verses 18 through 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through through 20, rather. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. As a side note, if you have just joined us recently, uh, we did unpack these passages. We don't have time to go through all the nuances of what Paul says here, but those are online if you want to refer to those uh, sermons. So when we look at these two passages and we jump to our verse this morning, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, Paul is again contrasting these two versions of wisdom. And as he does throughout the letter, he claims the title of fools for the sake of Christ. And he applies this for all of the apostles and he applies this to all Christians. At least that is how Christians should be living. Using the same sarcastic device, he's saying that truly he is a fool if you were to believe and follow the Corinthians' way of thinking. That is to say, the Corinthians would see Paul as a fool for living the way he is living, for sacrificing the things he did have and could have now for the sake of Jesus Christ. In other words, they are buying into the mentality that this man is following someone who is dead because they believe Jesus at his crucifixion did not rise again. Not the Corinthians, but the world believed that. And so it would be foolish to continue preaching and following this man. And connecting this to our previous two points, why why do what he does if it results in a lack of status? The world would say that's so foolish to do all of this. And and Paul will go on later to describe all the difficulties that he endures for the sake of Christ. It would be in the eyes world utter foolishness to do all of this. And you don't even get status out of it. Why do what he does when the Corinthians have already arrived at the peak of spirituality and have no need for further teaching. That too would be foolishness. And so you see how Paul is addressing the wrong thinking of the Corinthians. On the flip side of Paul and the other apostles, 
the Corinthians, Paul says, sarcastically, are prudent or wise in some of your versions. But notice he says they're not just wise, they're wise in Christ. You say, but wait, 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 wait. Now I'm confused because isn't he making the point that they are wise according to the world? Look at the verse again carefully. And regardless of how it translates the word prudent or wise, these prepositions are the same in all of your English Bibles. He says, we, the apostles, are fools for Christ. The Corinthians are prudent in Christ. In other words, the apostles were suffering for the sake of Christ, but the Corinthians were in Christ. In other words, they were Christians, but not acting like it and enjoying everything the world has to offer. And yet, we go back to chapter 1 and see that among the Corinthian church, there were very few who were wise, mighty, and noble, at least by the world standards. But you sure wouldn't know it by how they were acting and how they were talking. So again, we see a clear difference in potential role models or ways of living. Fool for Christ or worldly wise, yet still claiming Christ, still being a Christian. And I believe that is extra convicting for us and extra cautionary because we are Christians and that doesn't mean we automatically default to living like the apostles or having the apostles as our role models. We can still be in Christ like the Corinthians and be tempted and even give into the temptation of the world. By the world's standards, what Paul was doing was foolish. And what is a fool? A fool is someone who bears reproach. He suffers. He is considered stupid. This is how the world viewed Christians at that time. And again, especially those who had given their lives entirely to promoting the message of Christianity, the gospel, that is, the apostles. The same, to a large extent, goes for us today. Now again, for those of us who are streaming in from the United States, even in a place as liberal as California, and even a place as liberal within California standards as the San Francisco Bay Area, there is not much persecution. And we could say, well, I don't really get it. Because my friends kind of say, hey, that's a good thing. Especially now, with all that's going on, it's good to have your faith. And praise God that, that we have unbelievers who get that. When my wife and I lost our daughter, uh, people who we assumed would consider that girl not living, not a life based on their liberal point of view, we had just as many, if not more, unbelievers crying with my wife than we did those in the church. And that is general grace. That is good. We are thankful for that. But that doesn't mean that our way of living and our way of thinking is not foolishness to the world. Let me explain. They would ask, why would you want to work harder than what they pay you for? 
We call it excellence for God. They call it foolishness. Why would you call a clump of cells a living being? We call it God's creation. They call it stupidity. And why would you want to give your life for others rather than living for yourself? We call it Christ-likeness. They call it delusional. And we could go on. There's so many things that you do as the norm by God's grace in your life that the world doesn't understand. And so they see that or they see it as foolishness. You can make the case that everything we're looking at in these six areas of life is contrasting God's wisdom and man's wisdom or the world's wisdom. So who do you want to be? Whom do you want to follow? If it is the life and example of the apostles, then you are truly wise, but fools in the eyes of mankind, of the world. And that's no small thing. If the Corinthians, then you are claiming a faith, and listen carefully, that you aren't really living. The Corinthians got to the point that they couldn't stand being fools for Christ's sake. The world and all it had to offer was just too plush, too tempting, too good to pass up. And I think we would do well to realize that we have the same temptations in our own thinking. Listen, if you want to believe that you don't enjoy your sin, that you don't desire the praise of man, the comforts of the world, then you are fooling yourself and will be very confused in your pursuit of godliness and the avoidance of temptation. We like our sin. We actually love our sin. That's the problem. We like the opportunities to indulge the flesh that the world has to offer. And that's why we must not just go with the flow, but make the disciplined choice to follow Paul's example and not the Corinthians. Do nothing and you will naturally go into your sin and the ways of the world. You must fight. You must discipline yourself. I believe the warning of Romans 12 is very appropriate here, and I'd like you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Paul says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So the terminology here when Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, is he's saying, be careful because the world will want to squeeze you into its mold. And again, it's not just being at the wrong place at the wrong time. You are in the world. God is sovereign over this. He understands. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. But the reality is, no matter where you go, you're in the world. You turn on the TV. 
right? You look at your phone, you go to work, you sit on the bus, you turn on the radio. It is the world. It is it's the world's viewpoint. It's the world's ways. And so even in little ways, it's squeezing, squeezing you into its mold. And before you know it, like any sort of mold you would use for cooking, you plop it out and it looks exactly like that container, like that mold. And Paul is saying, be careful. That's conformity. That's being squeezed into the mold. This is applicable to all of our points, but it is especially pertinent when it comes to your view of wisdom, to your view of a biblical worldview. Notice it's much more than behavior because he says, rather than being conformed to the world, we must have a transformation, renewing of your mind. This is not just a change. This is a total transformation. This is a complete renewal. It's not just mixing the two. A little bit of conformity, a little bit of transformation, one foot in the world, one foot in God's kingdom. Why can't I enjoy both? You know the answer to that. What we need to have is a full transformation that gets rid of the mold completely and has a mind that is completely, utterly, fully focused on God and God alone. You cannot have both. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in Burlingame, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information, or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through our website, kfax.com.